Hello and welcome to Homestead Hens and Honey, a beekeeping, chicken keeping and general homesteading podcast. I'm your host Gemma and this week I'm sharing another one of my farm stories, specifically how my neighbours and I work together to humanely reduce our stray and feral cat population. Teamwork is the dream work. Now real quick, Before I dive into my kitty tales, as I think of them, I wanted to give an update on my fierce little hen, Boo. In my last episode, I mentioned that things weren't really looking good and that my husband and I were going to try and drain the fluid in Boo's abdomen to make her more comfortable. However, after we gave her a further assessment, my husband decided that it wasn't the right action to take as we could feel that it wasn't just fluid in her abdomen that was causing all the swelling, and we didn't want to risk puncturing either an organ or even a tumour or a cyst or something like that. Um, After we made this decision, she stopped eating altogether and was doing this weird head movement that I only ever see in chickens when they are right near the end. So on February 21st, I took her to my avian vet to be humanely euthanized. I requested that I be given her body, which I was, and I immediately performed a necropsy once I brought her home. And honestly, what I saw was shocking. Um, I would say about 80% of her entire body cavity was filled with awful material due to egg peritonitis. It had completely packed her reproductive tract and as a result um, it had ruptured and she was laying that that egg material internally just like openly into her abdominal cavity. Her organs had almost no room, they were completely constricted very very high up in her body. It's honestly the worst case I have ever seen and I am truly shocked that not only did she last as long as she did but that she ate so much that first time she was inside with us and that she was still in relatively good spirits and she just still was acting like a regular chicken. It's honestly remarkable. Having seen this was upsetting to know that she had been living with it for so long but also a relief because letting her go was absolutely the kindest thing that we could have done. So I'm sorry for the bad news. I just wanted to say, you know, rest in peace, Boo. You were an absolute force and I'm going to miss you. With that sadness out of the way, um, thankfully, this is a happier topic that I'll be discussing today. Now, if I just told you that I loved cats, I'm sure you, my dear listeners, wouldn't be surprised because at this point, you've probably figured out that I love pretty much every living thing. From dogs, to cats, to reptiles, to amphibians, to bees, to rescuing earthworms off the pavement. Inside this tepid British exterior is a gooey marshmallow heart. So yes, I love cats, but I don't own any. uh, Mainly because my husband is extremely allergic to them. And so because of this, we've kind of fallen into taking dogs in, either as fosters or as our permanent family members, who aren't cat safe or who generally have a high prey drive, and it's recommended that they be in a home without small fuzzy mammals. And this was actually a huge boon to our rescue group when we fostered greyhounds, as they occasionally needed homes that didn't have small mammals or small children. So if one of those dogs came in, they'd give us a call, and we would be happy to foster them. 
these kind of dogs usually take longer to be placed because many people have cats or bunnies or tiny baby humans of their own. And that's actually how we ended up with all of our dogs, from Peyton, our first foster and the only foster failure that we ever had, um, and then onwards from him to Kaylee, who was cat tested as a maybe, but the adoption group liked to play it safe and so specifically asked for a home without cats. Chappie, if you've been paying attention, has a crazy high prey drive. He's my little squirrel and mouse and chipmunk killer. And he wasn't even safe to test with cats. It was just immediate, no, no cats for this one. And then Luna actually killed a cat in her last home, despite having literally grown up with them. Luna was whelped in that house. She was raised in that house. She had known the cat her entire life, but something happened when people weren't home. And the cat ended up dead and Luna was covered in blood. So understandably, the owner wanted to place her in a home away from small animals because she didn't want to risk the other cats that she kept at home. And that's where my completely spoiled princess came from. And here she is, very happy, where she has no access to small mammals that are pets. And even with squirrels and chipmunks, she likes to chase them, but she's not really dedicated like Chappie is. So she has killed a couple of um, chipmunks and a couple of mice but not like Chappie, <laughs> my little murderer. Actually um, my husband and I got really into The Witcher, the TV show. I know there's a game and it's originally based on a book but we were watching the TV show starring Henry Cavill who I like to think of is my other <laughs> Henry, <laughs> my second husband Henry Cavill. Um, but anyway we love Geralt in that he's so grumpy and has so little to say and is covered in scars. And my husband started referring to Chappie as our little Geralt. And I just love that mental image of Chappie the Whippet dressed up as um, Geralt from The Witcher, like slaying uh, squirrels instead of monsters. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. So getting back to cats. Um, because I do love cats, but obviously I can't have one. I pay attention to the ones that are in our neighborhood. And so I very quickly after we moved here learned that the very friendly orange cat, who is a big talker, belonged to one of my closest neighbors. He was originally abandoned by someone else on our street and my neighbor, who I think of as our sort of resident cat lady, took him in. Kind of. So she took him to the vet to be neutered and to get his shots. And when she was there, they found out that he had FIV, which is very, very contagious to other cats. So she couldn't bring him inside to live with her because her other cats would all be running the risk of infection. So instead, she has a shelter set up for him with food and litter and fresh water in her garage. And this arrangement has worked really well because by this point he was used to roaming free and didn't really like to be confined. His name is Minnie because his previous owner thought that he was a girl kitten and I guess just never bothered to look into it further before he dumped Minnie and the name had stuck. Um, but Minnie is a real character. You, he's probably the first cat anyone here will see because he's always out and about. He's very friendly. He really talks to you a lot. He's just adorable. Well, one time, not long after we moved in, 
um, I saw Minnie chase a long-haired black and white cat up into one of our trees. And then the little guy sat at the base so that the cat couldn't come down. And I was so tickled by this that I kept an eye on them while I was gardening. And it was over an hour before Minnie got bored and wandered off, which allowed the treed cat to finally descend. Minnie is very strict about who comes into his territory. This black and white cat turned out to be an intact male, which is probably why Minnie hates him so much. And just remember that cat, because I'm going to get back to him. So jumping forward a little bit, forward and back, whichever, um, I think it was winter 2021 when I encountered some absolutely adorable kittens out back by my barn. And they were just gorgeous wee things. They were grey and white with big blue eyes. Two were long-haired and one was short-haired. Very, very striking, beautiful little kittens. And they were wary of me, but they didn't seem completely feral. And with them was a black cat with bright yellow eyes who I actually thought was a kitten herself because she was so little. But after a while, I figured out that actually that was their mother and she was just extremely young. Well, I'm a softie, so I started putting food out for the kittens and I made some little makeshift shelters for them. And they would usually hang around the barn long enough to eat and then they'd wander off for a bit. Although sometimes I'd find them sleeping together in an abandoned nest box that I had left outside. And I did try and get them used to me and I wanted them to use the um, shelters, but they never did. And I could never get closer than about five feet towards them before they got scared and ran away. And it was just a few weeks when they stopped showing up. And I really, really hoped that they had either moved on to a new territory being caught by someone else who could take care of them and that they hadn't just fallen victim to predators or the nearby main road. The road not far from us, I know I've mentioned it before, it's a 45 mile per hour speed limit but people often go as high as 60 on it and we see dead cats on the side of that road a lot. So I was worried about them but I had done all I could. Well, last year I saw this little black cat again and she looked extremely pregnant. So I started mentioning her to my closest neighbours and I found out that I was actually far behind on the local kitty gossip. Apparently, the black kitten mama that I had first met in 2021 had actually been caught by a neighbour on a nearby road. That neighbour managed to catch her and all the kittens. The kittens took really well to being inside and they were able to adopt them all out to loving homes, but Mama Cat was too feral. So instead, she was spayed, vaccinated, and then returned to her familiar territory with a notched ear, which is the universal sign that a stray or feral cat has been spayed or neutered before being re-released. So this current pregnant mama that I had seen last year was a new kitty and two of my neighbours were already putting feeding stations out for her. And due to their sort of diligence with the feeding stations, eventually they were able to capture her and her kittens. I offered to help cover expenses on getting them all fixed, but I never heard back from that neighbour. Um, But I do believe that Mama and Kittens were all placed into foster homes and eventually adopted. So I'm going to just hope that they were um, altered at that point. Now, 
unknown to me, uh, my neighbours have been working for a while, actually, to spay and neuter the stray cats in our area. And probably over the last two years, it really feels like those numbers have been increasing. And it's a mix of people, usually the same people, dumping their cats when they don't want them anymore. Usually they get them when they're kittens. And then once they stop being precious wee kittens, they just kick them outside and leave them. And then also the established intact strays that hang around here because it's part of their territory. So they just have to wait until the dumped kittens are old enough to be bred and then they you know, knock them up. So at this point, we've got one black mama. She's spayed. She's been re-released. We caught the recent black mama with her kittens. They've all been adopted and put in loving homes. And that just left finding out who the daddy was. And it quickly became apparent that the black and white long-haired male that I had watched Minnie chase up a tree was the daddy. And we started asking around some of the neighbours who've been here much longer. And we learned that this cat, who I'm going to call Tom Kitty, had been hanging around our road for over seven years. He'd originally belonged to someone who moved house and decided not to take him. They just dumped the poor guy outside and completely abandoned him. So he's been here ever since, guarding this as his territory and knocking up any intact female that he can find. Clearly, we had to capture Tom Kitty so we could get him neutered and he could stop tomming about the place and making lots of kittens. And it actually seemed like it might be easy to begin with because he is so affectionate and he's not afraid of people. He's not a feral cat. He loves to be petted. He purrs up a storm. He's just such a sweet baby. But no matter how much he liked being petted, every time someone tried to pick him up, he would lash out. And he was also wily enough that he never fell for any of the traps that my neighbours set. So they were using have a heart traps as well as a couple of like uh, improvised crate traps, but it didn't matter what they used. And no matter how delicious the food was that they put in the traps, he knew that what they were and he wasn't going to go in there. So learning this, I was like, okay, I'm going to become best friends with Tom Kitty. So I'd put food out whenever I saw him and while he was eating, I would pet him and he'd just be purring and then rubbing up against me. He was so happy. And after a couple of incidences of this, I just looked at him and I thought, fudge it, but less politely. And I just scooped him up before he knew what was happening. It was a bit of an awkward hold. I didn't want to be scratched. So I had his paws facing away from me. And bless his little heart, he had his nails out, but he wasn't really struggling or trying to hit me. He actually was just sort of complaining in this very funny monotone, like, ma, 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 the whole time that I sort of fast walked, probably looking very ridiculous with him into my garage, where I had a crate waiting. And I popped him in the crate and closed the door as quick as I could. He was not at all happy about this situation, but he very quickly settled down and accepted that, okay, we'd caught him. Now, I couldn't keep him in the garage because even that's too close for my husband. My husband would have to walk past him to get in and out of the car and it would just be miserable. So I immediately reached out to my cat lady neighbour and I, I wasn't able to get hold of her. So I reached out to my other neighbour who's also been helping with cats and let's call her Jay for like 
ease of storytelling. So I reach out to Jay and I say, you know, I've got Tom Kitty in a crate in my garage and she was delighted. And we decided what to do was um, we set up a larger crate in her garage where in that crate there was room for a litter box, food and fresh water. Now, the nights were pretty cold when we caught him. So um, we covered most of the crate with blankets and then she set up a little portable heater for him as well because she was really worried about him, bless him. And within the 24 hours of his capture, we booked his neuter. So Jay had connected with this wonderful local vet clinic that had a TNR program. And TNR stands for Trap, Neuter, Return. And the name of this clinic is Alter Clinic Animal Care in Canton, Ohio. I'll post a link in the episode description and as also on my blog. Um, it's definitely worth checking out. They're a really excellent group. And what's really impressive about them is that this uh, TNR program is fully grant funded. And they had worked really hard to get this grant in to allow them to tackle the pretty substantial stray and feral cat population that we have in our county. So Jay had reached out to them previously because she'd caught two kittens earlier in the year and hadn't been able to find their mother. And she'd had the boys both neutered and vaccinated at this clinic for $38 each, which is really, really affordable. And the best part of this local program is that the cats stay at the clinic overnight for their aftercare. Now, this might not sound like a big thing. If you have your own pets, you're probably thinking, of course they do. That's what happens with our pets. But a lot of TNR programs, they have the facilities to do the neutering and the vaccinations, but they don't have the space for overnight stays. However, it's very important that after surgery, an animal be monitored. So there are clinics in areas which will do TNR, but you have to bring the cat back with you to monitor overnight somewhere safe. And this can really put people off the program. Either they're allergic to cats, like my husband is, or they don't want to have a feral cat even crated in their home because they have other cats and they're worried about, you know, uh, viruses or diseases passing back and forth between the cats. And so this can really limit how many people become involved in a hands-on way on a TNR program. So this clinic, because it is a vet clinic and it just applied for grant funding to be able to afford this wonderful work that they're doing, they guarantee that they will keep the cat for you overnight. If everything is okay in the morning, you pick up the cat and release it back into its territory. So this is really, really wonderful. And the only thing with this clinic that you have to do is bring the cat to them in an appropriately sized crate or trap. And they have measurements of that on their website. And looking at it, it's a standard have a heart trap. So you might be wondering, why TNR? Why trap, neuter and return? What, why are we doing this? Why does anyone do this? And does it work? And I'm going to just quote directly from their website because they have a very good summary of um, the benefit of this program. So the problem, and this is quoting directly. So the problem is that it's estimated that tens of millions of feral and stray cats freely roam the streets of the US and breed rapidly. Doing nothing and using ineffective approaches are what have resulted in the current overpopulation problem. 
trying to rescue all of the feral cats and find them homes is impossible due to their numbers and their limited socialization. Removing or relocating all of the feral cats invites new unneutered cats to just move into the territory and the cycle of reproduction starts again. The solution is trap, neuter, return, and it's the only method proven to be humane and effective in controlling free-roaming cat population growth. TNR is about population control and permanently reducing the number of cats in an area, lowering cat intake into shelters, thereby lowering shelter euthanasia rates, reducing the spread of disease, and the returned spayed and neutered colony will guard its territory, discouraging unneutered cats from moving in and beginning the cycle of overpopulation all over again. So what we do with trap, neuter, return, as I mentioned earlier, is you trap, you neuter, and before you return them, you dock the ear. This is sometimes called ear tipping as opposed to ear docking, and it's the universal sign of a neutered feral cat. The procedure involves removing about a quarter inch of the tip of the cat's ear, typically the left ear, while the cat is under anesthesia for the spaying and neutering. So it's you know done humanely, there's very little pain, and they do have pain medication when they wake up, and the healing is very quick. And the goal of this is that if you are wanting to help with TNR, if you see a kitty with that tipped ear, you know, okay that kitty has already been through the process. And for anyone wondering what the difference is between a stray cat and a feral cat, well, a stray cat is a tame cat who has become lost or has been abandoned. They are already socialized to people, uh, or sorry, they were socialized to people at some point during their life. A feral cat, in contrast, is a cat who has little or no contact with people, is very fearful of us, and they usually live outdoors and keep away from humans for anything except maybe scavenging for food. So using that as an example, Tom Kitty is really a stray cat, not a feral cat. But Mama Kitty with the, the notched ear who lives round the back where my barn is, she's a feral cat. So getting back to Tom Kitty, we took him to this wonderful clinic and even better, because um, I offered to pay everything for my neighbours. You know, my neighbours are older, they're on fixed income. It doesn't matter how affordable it is. I was like, no, let me cover it. Well, for December, they ran a special where it was completely free to bring cats in for the procedure. And this was when we caught Tom Kitty, so it was absolutely kismet, and we were just delighted. So Jay thankfully handled transporting him to and from the clinic, and she also organised his release. And as a thank you, I went to the clinic's website to see where I could donate funds, and they don't have a donation button, and they don't really encourage donation of money, but they do have a wish list of things that they desperately need and always have a need for. So this was right before Christmas at this point, and I took their wish list with me and did a special shopping run where I bought as many supplies as I could as a thank you. And I also grabbed some like festive chocolates and cookies for the clinic staff as well. And dropping that all off was very, very rewarding. I felt a little bit like Santa (laughs) at the clinic, and it was nice to meet some of the people who work there, and um, they were all very 
happy to hear that um, we were bringing the cats in and that things had been going well. So I'm actually considering making this a yearly thing that I do because I love the work that they're doing and it's really just making such a huge difference to our little community. So since Tom Kitty was released after his um, neuter, I've only seen him twice. And unsurprisingly, he's very wary of me now. So he's hesitant to let me pet him, but he will acquiesce if I give him the wet food that's his favourite. Um, so he'll start eating his wet food and I can kind of pet him a little bit and he will purr a bit, but you can tell he's just waiting for me to pick him up again because he's obviously still a little traumatised. I also don't see him as much because his primary territory seems to be actually on the other side of the street to me where my um, cat-friendly neighbours live. And I don't think he's really detouring to see me anymore because doing so led to me capturing him and I, I can't blame him. So instead, um, Black Kitty Mama number one, the one who had the grey and the white kittens in winter 2021, has returned to my property. So I noticed that she was hanging around my barn where she used to bring her kittens. And so I started putting food out for her. And now she is a regular fixture. She's filled out nicely. She has a lovely shiny coat. Um, I see her every day that it isn't wet or snowing. And I've actually just sort of given in to the fact that I basically have a cat now because I just buy, you know, cat kibble and wet food for her every time I go shopping and um, try and keep her as well fed as I can. And it's kind of cute now because she will hang out by my barn and there's this big boulder uh, next to it which you can see through the fence and she'll sit on there to let me know that she's there and she's ready for food <laughs> so when I see her um, I will usually go out and give her something to eat so kitty friend as I've been calling her because I haven't been able to think of a name is um, extremely wary of people so she's who I referenced earlier she's a good example of a feral cat she obviously hasn't had any socialization with people but we've reached a point where she does trust me enough that she'll start eating as I'm dishing out the food and that's a really big step because she wouldn't get within five feet of me for a long time and now once she's had her food if I go from feeding her to my apiary to check on my bees, she will follow me and actually sit up on one of the hive stands and just watch me work, which is really, really endearing. I've also got to the point where I can pet her a tiny amount while she's eating, but you can tell she doesn't like it. And I feel like I'm pushing things a little bit, but if I try and do any more, I mainly want to desensitize her to being touched by me because I'd really like the ability to be able to take her to the vet should, God forbid, she ever need it. Um, that seems very far away at this point, but, you know, you never know. I mean, she is you know, a feral cat. You know, I'm not sure how far she wanders. Anything could happen. I'd really like it if I was able to catch her should something happen. But for now, the important thing is that she knows that she can come here and meow at me and I will be there with food and fresh water for her and in return I have this beautiful little kitty friend that I get to spend time with. She really does have the most bright yellow eyes I've ever seen on a cat. I'm going to post pictures on my blog of um, all the kitties I've discussed today so you can uh, see what I'm talking about. So that's my uh, kitty friend's story and 
also a little bit of information about trap neuter return programs which um, I hope you'll look into if you live somewhere where you are seeing a lot of stray and or feral cats maybe just give it a google Um, it never would have occurred to me I feel kind of stupid in hindsight because I knew about these programs but it never occurred to me that I'd have one so close to where we live and with such a good setup and uh, really great people working to reduce our um, stray population. So that's my farm story for this week. Uh, Next week, unless I suddenly have a change of heart, I will be talking about frostbite in chickens. And I want to cover like, you know, what, what is frostbite? How does it happen? Can we prevent it? What's the treatment? And I'll also be talking a bit about what I did when Cracker, my white leghorn, had really bad frostbite um, over Christmas and sort of how worried I was, but how well things ended up turning out. So I hope you will join me next week for more uh, tales of my weird little homestead here. And until then, I hope you and all of your animals are safe, happy and healthy. And remember, as always, hug your hens and then wash your hands. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week. Bye bye.